Welcome back to Raging Workaholics. I have a special guest here today. First timer. First timer on this one? Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. We're like 80 some in and we've never pulled you before, Ryan. No, I think I, I think it's just Miles's ploy to just not let me on here. Yeah, because he doesn't want you to share all the secrets. Exactly. We, we exactly. had you on for so. the, uh, the whole swinger app thing when that was around. Oh, that's right. Sarah wasn't here, though. No. Yes. So first timer first with, with Sarah. Sarah. Yes. 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 There's a first timer for just about everything. <laughs> yes. First timer with Sarah. Yes. And uh, we'll see the magic and maybe Miles won't ever get to come back on. There's, yeah. Maybe there's... that's why he hasn't had me on yet. Most likely. He's got to earn his spot. Back. Exactly. Yes. Yep. For sure. Cool. For sure. Uh, so as we full move into the next season, uh, we have the lawn is growing like crazy now. Mine is. Uh, yeah. How many times have you mowed? Oh, probably like seven or eight. Yeah. And it's, and the snow's only been off the ground for about four weeks. So well, we just, <laughs> we skipped a complete season in spring. We yeah. had it for about a week and then we transitioned right into summer. So now things are really starting to grow. Yeah. And that grass is humming. And um, if you want to compete in the game of lawns, be sure to go out and get some simple lawn solutions to mm. put on your lawn. Greener, lusher. You don't necessarily want it to grow any faster, but right. <laughs> as far as the quality and maybe you'll get some of those weeds out of there. So yeah. You're just mowing actual lawn versus dandelions and all the extra stuff. Yep. So simplelawnsolutions.com. Go get you some stuff for your lawn. I like it. Ryan, what do you want to talk about today? Um, I was kind of thinking that too. So, I mean, we can just jump right into it. There's there's been an inside bit amongst the office with me that I was on Shark Tank at Uh one point, which I was. Um, and you might be thinking, oh my God, what product were you pitching and how did it go and what were they all like? And it's like, okay, let me explain first. <laughs> yes. I was on Shark Tank in a very unique way. So the company I used to work for, PRX Performance, you mm-hmm. might be familiar with them. I am, yep. Um, my two founders were on Shark Tank mm-hmm. and they ended up landing a deal with Kevin O'Leary. Mm-hmm. So there's five sharks. All four, of them, all four of them went out the door. Kevin was the last one. He gave them a deal. And then he got the check at the end. They agreed to it and um, he ended up being our investor. So uh-huh. because uh, our two founders had done such a good job in scaling the business and getting us to a point where we can do a Shark Tank update. Yeah. Now, if you watch Shark Tank, I'm see- I'm sure you've seen the update portion where in the middle of an episode, they'll cut back to a previous company who either got a deal or didn't mm-hmm. and just kind of explain to them where the company's at a year after the deal. Yeah. So that's what happened to us. So mm-hmm. we had... The entire Shark Tank production crew, um, including Kevin O'Leary, yeah. come to Fargo uh-huh. and shoot like, you know, shoot the where the company's at now a year after the deal update. Uh-huh. And it was cool because these guys rolled in and I mean, they're I look at it from their perspective versus what I do now currently yeah. with You Betcha. Uh-huh. And the production style is completely different. Really weird. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. these guys are maybe a little more sophisticated. The cameras, might a, be little a little bit, bit more money behind a little bit. <laughs> yes, and I mean these guys are like like drill sergeants. Oh man, they're there to do business. Yeah, they don't want to be there, but they are there because that's the next stop on the tour, uh-huh. and they're there to do their job. Uh-huh. Um, the the main producer, his name was Sammy. He was like a. 10 time Emmy winner or something like that. He was very decorated Uh in his job and he was really good at it. So they came in and they filmed for 12 hours straight. Okay. Wow. For like a two, two to three minute update in Uh the middle of an episode. Uh Um, and obviously they need like, they need the the role players. They need people like packing boxes while 
the two founders are walking through the warehouse mm-hmm. talking about the company. They need people loading boxes into the back of the truck. And that was the job that I had at the time. Oh. So I made a so couple you, cameo I, appearances on national television. Yes. Right. I'm not, so surprised. <laughs> not as exciting. Still here. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, where, where were the phone calls? Why weren't they flooding in after that? Um, so it was a really cool experience. Um, from the 12 hour production to um, actually, you know, I'll still say I was on national television because yeah. that's not a lie. That's not a lie. Um, and I'll tell you what, I've, I'm probably one of the best forklift drivers on national television that they've had so far. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my duties. Uh huh. Um, and then I got to meet Kevin O'Leary and he was a super nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be a little bit of an act to that being like, you know, he's meeting all of his, his uh, company's employees, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, went out for dinner with him later that night. And uh, it was an overall really good experience. So I, I'm very fortunate to be able to work with a company like that because Shark Tank is, you know, you think about Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe what I used to do in my last job. But, you know, we sold f- space saving fitness equipment for your home gym. Yeah. Um, but when you tell someone that you were on Shark Tank, they they immediately become that more that much it's more interested. Incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was a super cool experience. Even though we watch a lot of Shark Tank at our house. Yeah. And not saying that just because you were on Shark Tank doesn't <laughs> make you credible. Right. And some of those people I'm like, yeah, you you how many sales do you have? Ten thousand. Yeah. And we've been in business for three years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You might not get a deal today. Yeah, exactly. And it's worth ten million dollars or something. Yeah. Well, it's almost luck of the draw too. It's like how are the because how the operation goes with Shark Tank is mm-hmm. they only film for about three weeks a year. Okay. But they're filming for like ten to twelve hours a day yeah. every single day for those three weeks. Okay. To get that one season in. Yeah. Um. So a lot of the times, you know, the the, the steps that you have to go through just to get on national television into the tank. Yeah. There's probably three different steps. And as you keep, you know, the first one is like there's 80,000 companies that are giving a one minute pitch to a, two guys sitting at a coffee table mm-hmm. outside of wherever, you know. Yeah. And to get past that set step is probably the biggest. And then the next couple steps, um, obviously, gets narrowed down a lot. And mm-hmm. then you got to go through a bunch of acting classes because you notice how clear and concise these people speak. That's yes. all that's all taught to them okay. beforehand mm-hmm. to make it better for national television right. if you will yes yeah uh-huh no they're just not all naturally that good at pitching you'd think they would be at this point in their well, business careers but they're not, not. Yes. <laughs> yeah especially some hearing some of their backgrounds yeah definitely and like oh okay you actually did pretty good for being a xyz person who just never had would have to do that right but, right and a lot of people think too that um so the biggest thing for the company I worked for was to get the website ready before the Shark Tank went live. Yeah. And you always think that, you know, the products we were selling were up- upwards of a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars. So yep. everyone is thinking, like, oh my God, the sales are going to be flooded in. We're screwed. What's mm-hmm. going to happen? And it didn't really trans- transition over into sales so much as it did just like getting people into the site and getting people familiar with the product. Yeah. So I think one thing they were a little disappointed with was the sales weren't there mm-hmm. when the episode it didn't aired. Just blow up. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure, you know, for like a $20 to $30 product that someone is selling on Shark Tank, I'm sure it really bogs them down for a couple months. Right. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you get to put that, that, um, what would you call it? like that that emblem of mm-hmm. as seen on Shark Tank on your website? Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, Sarah, that makes people a lot more credible. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting for sure. So tell me about the production um, experience from being in there to now being on the other side. And granted, you you, you dabble in a lot of things here. Yep. At you betcha. 
but does it make you want to get to that level or what does that what does that make you want um so that's that's an interesting question the if you think about it I mean, where the attention is at right now, it's not so much on national television. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can film a two to three minute Shark Tank update in 12 hours to get 5 million views on national television. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we can use a lot less production, a lot less people and a lot less time mm-hmm. to get that many views, if not more, mm-hmm. in the matter of like four to six hours. Right. Um, and we can repeat that process every single week after that. Mm-hmm. So... Looking back on that now, I'm like, God, I, I understand why they have to do what they do. Yeah. But now that the attention is shifting more towards the internet, I don't know I don't know how long, you know, the Shark Tank is feasible for. Right. Or in the format in which it exists Correct. today. <laughs> yes. And now, you know, I, I feel like when I watch the show and they they have like a new investor in there, I'm just not as interested. Yeah. Because I like the core five. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I see it now. And it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, if you can work at like macro speed mm-hmm. um why not do that right. with one camera guy and one person in front of the camera mm-hmm. and then reach five million people after that it just i mean it's a recipe for success right right and they are so probably what are they in 12 15 seasons mm-hmm. so they are so used to the formula that they it's hard to change right right mm-hmm. right but at the same time you know they film an entire season in however many weeks. in three weeks yeah yeah mm-hmm. so and then these guys can go off and they can they can deal with their other business. Yeah, right? actually do the the thing that they they got them enough money to be yeah. on the show. Um, I do like some of the guests only if I know them. Like sure. when Sarah Blakely was been on there yep. or Kendra Scott. Um, if I know them or their product or their story, then it's yep. like, oh, I like it because then I get to see a little bit of what they act like right. in real life versus their posts on on not video posts but more like stagnant yep. posts that i've seen but yeah. for me that would be like alex rodriguez yeah when he comes in it's like well he's one of okay, the greatest okay. baseball players of all one. time yeah right. i'll watch this one uh-huh. and see who who he, who he's gonna invest in. yeah uh-huh. and uh, or even just how they interact with people right yes. and some of the phrases that they use and the language that they use like mark cubans is always explaining himself and for those reasons i'm out yeah right? yeah um where other people I've actually took taken that it seems like, um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, even from a pr- production standpoint, you, if you see an actual pitch on Shark Tank, it it probably lasts like five to six minutes, mm-hmm. like when the it, a post production when everything's ready to go. Yeah. Um, but the the people are actually in the Shark Tank for like an hour to an hour and a half. Okay. So right when you walk in, before they can get all the lights and the audio ready. Audio ready you're just standing in there looking at the sharks. <laughs> There's no conversation going on. There's no nothing. So imagine like, all right, if if I wasn't nervous before I walked in here, uh-huh. I'm really nervous now because <laughs> right. I'm just sitting there. Uh, I'm sitting there staring at the people who could possibly possibly turn my business around. Yeah. Um, and God, then it's got to be nerve wracking. Oh, you think yeah. so? Yeah. yeah. And uh-huh. then even like a lot of the B-roll clips of like, you know, one person looking the other way or like having a, having an odd look on their face like oh my god what just happened mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff is just like plug and play yeah that might not even happen in that actual scene <laughs> yeah, they, do, I, they do a great job of putting uh-huh. that all together yeah or even the, every time somebody says they're we're asking a uh, hundred thousand dollars <laughs> for one percent yeah. or whatever and then you just they're the like, eye rolls or what? whatever yeah yeah and whether or not that's at that moment or a different moment throughout the hour of time together yeah, yeah. super interesting 
What uh, have you have you received any pitches, Sarah, from outside companies who want you to come in and either invest or consult or anything like that? Like, have you had any experience with that? So not not in like that straight up when it comes to consulting. Yes. I mean, because they're reaching out and then I pitch them like yep. a reverse pitch almost. OK. That. Yep. Um, but when it comes to like our side business side business, I shouldn't say that <laughs> it's a full time. We have full time people. Right. Um, core counts like that was somebody bringing an idea to me, uh, pitching me yep. on the idea um, and then running the business and my, my issue with this. And then I, we have now another business, um, light workforce solutions where we bring people up from the South and, and mm-hmm. house them and then put them in employers. Um, uh, my issue is that I say yes to everything. I know. I just believe in people. I believe so in much. people too. It's annoying. And yeah, do that. Like logically, this doesn't really make sense. And the other thing about mathematically and the, from the CFO perspective, yeah. like, anything i can make anything work right Right, so okay yeah if you just sell 100 users a month for the next 12 months you know it's a it's a cash cow yeah exactly and it's just that easy as putting it into a spreadsheet and making the numbers work but apparently it's not really that easy right to actually do those things (laughs) yep um so that's my my issue where i would be a horrible shark in the fact or that, you'd be broke. You'd be a good shark and you'd be broke. There's that. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody would love me, but I wouldn't have any money sure. to continue I'd say, on. Yeah, I might only last a season because I'd be gone. Yep. Financially. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um God, I was gonna say on top of that. Well, the original question was, has anybody pitched me? Oh, pitched sure, sure, sure. Yep. Yeah. So, so they you you haven't gotten to that that level yet? No, no. No, I mean when besides One day. Those, people where they want me to be a partner. Sure. Yep. Um, so I guess in the credibility space that whether I take that as a compliment, like they want me to be a partner or uh, actually somebody did it just the other day too. They're like, Oh, we should buy this and you can run it or whatever. And I'm like, what do you guys think I can just run 3000 companies? This is <laughs> <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You may be painting a picture of yourself uh, in a light that, that people see that you can do that. Yeah. That's the thing. But so how, but I but I do want people to believe in me and not like lose opportunity to do those things. Yeah. But I just need to learn how to navigate that so that I can say yes to the right things. Correct. So I do thank you for saying that. I do that I am probably giving that perception that I can do all things. Yeah. Um but how do I navigate that so that people still see that and then I can just be more selective? Yeah. Well, even with like Kevin O'Leary, for instance, he, I mean, you'd think that he has all the say in, in this business that he just invested in, Mm -hmm. but if anything, it's more so of a consulting role that you've been in before where, Hey, you know, we're looking to outsource to another country to cut some costs and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Let's just see what Kevin thinks about this, but he's pretty like, he just lets people run with, with what they've already been doing. Mm -hmm. All right. If the sales have been there. Um, if the cash flow has been there, if he can get paid, that, I mean, that's obviously his biggest thing. Yep. Um, then he's pretty much non-existent in the company. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that, so the original deal was, I believe it was a hundred thousand for 10%. Well, they ended up like the deal on the back end is typically different mm-hmm. than what it is what on, the handshake on, is on national air. television. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Kevin and another investor who I believe both own 10%. They might already even be bought out by now, mm-hmm. but um, PRX is, is Kevin's 
top two biggest Shark Tank investments he's ever made. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool. That so, is awesome. Right here from Fargo, North Dakota. Exactly. Who would have thought? Yeah. yeah. So that was a cool experience. And I think, you know, when I was hired, I was employee number six. Mm-hmm. And over the pandemic, which really helped them out a lot because the gyms are closed down. People need to work out at home. Yeah. Um, they essentially like 10x their sales and they they over 10x their employees. Mm-hmm. So I was employee number six. And then about a year and a half later, they had over a hundred employees. Now mm-hmm. about 40 of them were like temp employees to get them through a busy season. Yeah. And now they're probably, I want to guess they're sitting at like 70 to 88 total employees, mm-hmm. which is really cool to see. Um, so now it's all about like maintaining that growth post pandemic when the gyms are open and how do they get people addicted to just staying at home, working out in their own home gym. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I know um, Lisa and Eric. Yep. And she was talking about oh, I went to the Christmas party or whatever, some hall, some biz- company party, and yeah. she used to know everybody pretty know. intimately. And she's like, I don't know anybody. Yeah. So this the awkwardness of that hyper growth. Yep. For sure would be interesting. It's a great it. It's great right away to kind of soak in all of the early days, and we mm-hmm. talk about that quite a bit when when it was literally just Miles and I. Yep. Um, sitting in the in the storage unit <laughs> yeah yeah sitting in the storage unit printing like a hundred shirts in a in a in a 30 day span with a one at a time yep. with a heat press i remember yep. going over there for our first meeting and yeah look at you now yeah and so you, you cherish those those days when the company was a lot smaller and everyone is a little more intimate with each other mm-hmm. in a sense where like hey we can like if i need his attention or something i can talk to him immediately like that where now it's like we have uh we have 17 employees yeah. and it's like, well, now I need to put something on the calendar and we don't go on the trips like for fun that we used to go on and mm-hmm. we don't go and do this. And um, so it's definitely a balance because that's happened in, in at PRX. We grew drastically before I left. I think before I left, we were at 22 employees. Mm-hmm. So six to 22. Mm-hmm. And then here, you betcha it was, it was two to 17 yep. in about the same time period. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely a balance of like, you know, how do you cherish those days when you were a small company? Yeah. But at the same time, the goal is not to just stay a company of two. It's right. to become a company of 50, 100, 150, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. So um, as your businesses start growing, what's that like for you? Do you kind of get attached to the the old days mm-hmm. when things were a lot simpler? Yeah. Or I mean, obviously your main goal is to make it as big as possible, but how do you kind of how do you kind of deal with that? Yeah. And one of my things that I have verbalized is that that's not one of my goals is to make it as, mi- as okay. big as possible. Sure. The tough part with me is the not saying no thing. And uh, before you got here, Ben was asking me how business going and I'm like, well, financially, it's going fine. <laughs> like all of that stuff's humming. But yep. I feel very um, and I'm going on this leadership retreat next week. So maybe yep. God will speak to me and uh, all the stars will align yeah, in hopefully. four days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel very distracted and pulled and like it's almost like the good old days or when I used to be able to answer my clients calls right. whenever they would call. And now I'm scheduled from seven to five every day. Yeah. Um, and don't get to do that for them. I'm still pretty good about, um, my family time. Like I've I've held onto that pretty good. Um, of course my family would tell you different, but from (laughs) my perspective and when I was working for the man to, to doing it now, it's, it's good. So I just need to figure out a little bit of that. Like when we went from the core four, the original four to now we have 10 in a year span. Like, how do I 
how do I breathe life into these people? How do I do what I do best? The reason that they're drawn to me, the reason my clients are drawn to me or to light. Um, and how do I lean into that more? Because I just don't feel it. Yeah. And I feel like f- even from my perspective is any, any person, any new person that comes into the company, you want to treat them like you would have treat you would have treated employee number three, four right. and five when it was, when it was just a tight knit group. And you're like, you know, both companies I've worked for post-college has mm-hmm. been like, it's been like a friend group almost Yeah. Um, because the company is so small. You spend more time with these people than you do your own family. Yes. So I want to give each person that attention, but now it's getting hard to do that. And I feel bad mm-hmm. because it's like, well, I want to build a personal relationship with my guys out in the warehouse or the content side that I don't get to interact with a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot of energy. Yep. And, you know, I need some of that energy for when I go home at night uh, for my wife and for my future child and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. It gets exhausting. Mm-hmm. I will admit that. Yeah. And I'm not even in a huge position of power. Mm-hmm. So to imagine, you know, being involved in multiple different companies and being the leader of of all of those yeah. it, or some of them, yeah. um, it can be exhausting at times, I'm sure. Yeah. And I... I want to focus on something you said there. So the 10th employee, I want to treat the same as number two, right? Yep. But the 10th employee didn't experience what number two did. That's correct. So take that pressure off of ourselves that it has to be the same because it doesn't because their perception is different, period. Yep. So it's okay as long as they're... Uh, perception or of the organization and their experience is positive sure it can be different so th- i like that's a that. good way to look at yeah, it yeah and um really appreciate that because although i i'm not pouring into the last three hires somebody who is my right hand is yeah and being intentional about like i don't have to be the person yeah because she's gonna do it better than me anyway right um, but i like thinking of it that way that they're not going to have the number two, number three, number four experience right. because they're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And th- they never will. Yeah. Um, it's just, that's just part of it. Yeah. I also feel um, a sense of guilt at sometimes when, you know, cause I, I used to be a warehouse guy, my mm-hmm. last job uh, when I started here and I feel a sense of guilt when I see those guys bust an ass out there mm-hmm. and I'm sitting behind a computer you know, doing like a lot of tedious stuff that still needs to be done to continue to grow this merchandise side of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, But the sense of guilt does come over me when I see them doing that. And I'm like, God, well, I need to like, sometimes that busy work isn't always, it's not always necessary from my, from my end Mm -hmm. because I can't do all the busy work. I can't do all the tedious work. And I feel like some of the disconnect there is like, uh, well, why isn't Ryan getting his hands dirty? Yeah, That's like the inside uh-huh. joke now with those guys. It's like, well, he's not going to get his hands dirty. <laughs> However... You do have nice hands. Well, thank so. you. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't want to burn yeah. him on a no, press or something. No, exactly. <laughs> um, however, what again, this is like, let's just say employee number 12, 13, 14, and 15 mm-hmm. did not see what me as employee number two did when I was in their position mm-hmm. working till... 10 p.m. at night with a wife at home and I'm just trying to get home and go to bed and repeat it all the next day. Yeah. And you don't want to like, you don't want to just be like, well, you guys don't understand what I did when I was in. Uh-huh. We, it was just Miles and I, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I, for some reason, I just feel this sense of guilt come over me when I'm uh-huh. like, God, I need to get out there and I need yeah. to get my hands dirty just mm-hmm. to show them like, hey, I know, I do know what I'm talking about in these situations because mm-hmm. I went through that mm-hmm. at a, just a different time than you guys did. Yep. Yep. I have a, another client that's a, it's a retail and and they've grown to from just four to 
20 yeah. some. And that's one of the complaints that comes from the floor is this person doesn't uh, yeah. isn't on the floor doing these things or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, I, we wouldn't even have a floor if yeah. I wasn't doing these things. Yeah, exactly. You know? So it's frustrating as the leader or the person who used to do those things yep. um, when they get like that. And then you're also putting some of that guilt on yourself too. So yeah. try not to do that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always look at it like, you know, leaders, leaders always go first. Leaders should be the first person into the fire. Yeah. But sometimes, um, obviously, you grow as an employee, you grow as an individual, and sometimes the role that the, the new role that you're in mm-hmm. doesn't allow you to go first. So, if, yeah. for instance, we have an embroidery machine, and this thing has been kicking our butt for the last two weeks. Yeah, we literally cannot figure it out. But I'm disconnecting myself from that because I think it's their responsibility to mm-hmm. figure that out. Mm-hmm. And if I sit out there for two weeks and figure that out, imagine what falls behind on the back end of things. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a weird balance mm-hmm. of trying to trying to get on my feet and work a little bit with them, mm-hmm. um, which I don't do a whole lot anymore. But also trying to keep things moving from a, the back end and working three, four, five months ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff that people don't see until that three, four, five months comes, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's, it is an interesting balance. I'm trying to work myself through that mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. The, uh, and again, I coach people on these things, whether or not I do them perfectly yeah. is, yeah. Do as I say, not as I do mm-hmm. kind of thing with mm-hmm. my kids too. Um, but when looking at delegating or g- giving other people the opportunity yep. to learn first, uh, just phrasing it as that. So I want to level you up. I want to give you this opportunity. If I do it, um, then I'll always be doing it. Yeah. So if you guys want to grow, here's your opportunity. Um, that's one thing that I say to my husband a lot because he is a logistics manager. So he, okay. he deals with truck drivers 90% of his day. Yep. Um, and I say, if you're always solving your their problems, you'll always be solving their problems. Oh, yes. That's me. Yeah. I mean, not that I, they're good at solving their own yeah. problems, but I also want to be in on it. So I know what's going on as well. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I probably do it almost to the fault the other way where I'm <laughs> yeah. like uh, a client will call and I'm like, I don't actually know what you're talking about. Yeah. Don't hopefully none of my clients listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, so no. We're okay. Uh, I mean, as long no, as you're transparent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. And I am. And I usually yeah. will say I have to check with Marion or I have to check with Carrie on that or yep. whatever. Um, but yeah, it's. Sometimes I'm to the fault too too much where some people are weirded out when they start working for light because they're like, you don't, Sarah does not micromanage. Like you do not need to run that buyer. She'll yeah. actually be annoyed. Sure. Yeah. Did. So, yeah. Um, which isn't always a good thing either because sometimes I'm like, oh, I should have probably did that differently, but yeah. it's a learning opportunity. Yep. And think of it that way. Well, even from an early you betcha stage, I remember whenever I would have like there'd be a financial uh, question or anything like that, I'd always send the email to you. Mm-hmm. And then I quickly realized I'm like, well, Carrie is a lot faster at responding. <laughs> yeah. So I could probably just email her and save the save the inbox uh-huh. from Sarah of having one extra email to to look at, to read through, and to just delegate to somebody else. Yep. Yep. So exactly. I I don't I might be one of the I might be an anomaly, but I, I think I figured that out pretty quick. Where yeah. Here's and, where the delegation is going. And even learning so when we guys took when we took you betcha on, we were 
uh, six months into our business. Mm -hmm. So not terribly. So now in, um, in the initial conversations, I'm always bringing alongside somebody and saying, this is your point of contact. I'm here if they have questions or if you have something that you think is above and beyond um, them. But if you want a response, you got to go to them because I just disclose I'm usually scheduled from seven to five. So I might get you in the evening or text me if it's urgent or whatever. But yeah, so. Interesting. No, I'm definitely going to take some of that and apply it. I always like talking to people who are older than me Mm -hmm. um, because I think that's how that's how you become a little bit wiser. That's how you, you gain more experience faster without actually having to go through it. Yeah. Um, but no, I always enjoy just, I mean, even picking the brains of my old bosses, there was no bridges burned there when I left. They completely understood. Mm -hmm. Um, I gave them like a two month notice as to, Hey, I'm going to be leaving, but I'll wait to leave until you can hire somebody else. Yeah. So they're always willing to hop on the phone or meet up for coffee or something and mm-hmm. and try and give advice wherever it's it's needed. Yeah. Um so it's always good to have people like that in the, in the industry to where and I'm a big relationships guy too. I mm-hmm. think that's that's one of my strong points is that I can build a relationship no matter how if you're 14 years old with a lawn mowing business mm-hmm. or you're 45 years old with a you know x amount of million dollar fitness equipment company. Yep. It doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. um, I'm always looking for advice, but no, that's, that's good. I appreciate it. All right, Ryan, final thoughts. We talk about Shark Tank. We talk about growing businesses, which is basically the whole goal of Shark yes. Tank is yep. to accelerate your business. Uh, final thoughts, any aha moments today? Um, I mean, I was late for this podcast. <laughs> so the aha moment is like, hey, maybe check your calendar in the morning or the night before. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause seven to five, you're booked out yeah. took 30 minutes of your time. And I feel really bad for it. Um, so yeah. this time I put buffer in there though, right? Okay. So that's good. good. Well, good. you should, uh, you, whenever I come to you, betcha, I always put a little buffer. In there. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- here's the thing. When I, my wife will ask me like, Hey, what time are you gonna be home tonight? I'll be like, you know, God, I, I want to say six, but I'm going to say seven because uh-huh. that's probably the realistic time. Uh-huh. You never know what you're going to start talking about. Yeah. Um, so the buffer zone is always good. Buffer for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's my mm-hmm. aha moment for the day. Is like, get, get your schedule down the night before so you're not late for anything the day after. <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> you go. We appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, you yes, bet. You bet. Yes. Thanks uh, for joining us, Ryan. Yeah. And for sharing some of your stories. Those are fun to hear. And I, I knew about the Shark Tank thing, but never got to talk to you about yeah. it. So it was good to hear. And then also the growing pains that come with growing. Yes. Yep. They're painful. Yeah. And you can't avoid it. So rather than sugarcoating it, and I think it's interesting. And part of the reason we started this podcast is because Miles was a little irritated with um, people who, when you ask them how it's going and they'd be like, great, man, it's good. It's all good. Especially when they're like in that heavy growth mode. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. I, you're like, I'm just dealing with it one day, one fire at a time yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And yep. just being okay that that's okay. So one thing that we want to be is transparent that it's not all rainbows and sunshine no. and heavy growth mode. It's painful and the guilt you feel that all the things you are internalizing as a leader and try yep. not to um, expose your team to because you just want them to have a great experience yeah, exactly. and things to hum along. Um, that's okay. Then that's normal. So Good. we're here to tell you it's normal. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> a little more reassurance yes. coming from my end. Yeah. Yeah. For awesome. sure. For sure. Well, thanks for tuning in and we'll c- catch you in the next one. See you guys.